Caucus, like Black Bear Caucus. Good evening. I'll call uh, the regular Planning Commission meeting of Tuesday, November 7, uh, 2023 to order, and I'll ask the clerk to please call the roll. Good evening, Planning Commissioners. Chair Klein. Here. Vice Chair Rudine. Here. Commissioner Wilkerson. Commissioner Fortney. Here. Commissioner Vargas. Here. Commissioner Lightfoot. Here. Commissioner Bonta. Here. Chair, we have a quorum. Thank you, Nancy. Um, everyone, please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance, and I'll ask Commissioner Wilkerson to please lead us in the salute. Thanks, John. We'll now move on with regular business starting off with communications. At this time, I will ask staff if there are any communications or announcements for this evening's meeting. Uh, there are no announcements and no communications. Thank you, Director Morris. We'll move on to approval of this evening's agenda. Do I have a motion? So moved. Moved by Commissioner Wilkerson. Is there a second? Second. Seconded by Vice Chair Dean. Uh, will the clerk please call the roll? Commissioner Wilkerson? Commissioner Fortney? Yes. Commissioner Vargas? Yes. Commissioner Lightfoot? Yes. Commissioner Bonta? Yes. Vice Chair Rudine? Yes. Chair Klein? Yes. Thank you. Our next item is business from the floor. This portion of the agenda is available for the public to address the Planning Commission on any issue that is not on the agenda. Uh, there will be a limit of three minutes per speaker. I welcome anyone who wishes to address the Commission regarding a topic or issue that is not on the agenda to please approach the podium at this time. Okay. Uh, We'll now close public comment and move on with the consent agenda. Um, we have one item on consent, which is the minutes from the September 19 and October 3rd, uh, 2023 meetings. Does anyone from the commission or the public wish to pull the consent item for discussion? All right, do I have a motion? Moved by Vice Chair Rudine. Is there a second? Seconded by Commissioner, um, was that Ashley? Ben Bonta? Uh, all in favor, please say aye. Aye. Opposed? All right, consent agenda calendar is approved. Our next item is uh, item number seven um, uh, for the public hearing. Uh, the first item tonight is, I believe, the, the Harmony Village project. Okay, and I see we have our crack team assembled. Um, before we uh, get into the hearing, um, does anyone wish to disclose ex parte contact um, or anything of that nature? Um, just going down the line? Yes. Conversations with the applicant and the applicant's um, engineer. Okay, thank you both. Um, do you feel like you can move on uh, in an involved way? Yes, sir. Excellent. Um, with that, we'll uh, ask um, Albert to please introduce the, the item. Oh, excuse me. 
Thank you, Chair. The item be, uh, before you tonight will be presented by our planning technician, Eileen Lee. Hi, good evening, Chair, Vice Chair, and members of the Planning Commission. My name is Eileen, and tonight I will be presenting the Harmony Village project. The request is to construct a 10-lot attached single-family home subdivision on a vacant 1.07-acre site located at the northeast corner of East Monte Vista Avenue in Scoggins Court. The request includes a categorical exemption from CEQA, a conditional use permit, a minor design review, and a tentative parcel map. Here is an aerial view of the project site. Adjacent land uses include residential, such as Lee's Manufactured Home Park to the northeast, as well as the Lincoln Corner Apartments to the west. Also located on the site are commercial uses, such as the Jiffy Lube abutting Scoggins Court and East Monte Vista, as well as CVS and O'Reilly Auto Park. To provide some background on the project, in 2005, various structures were removed from the site and the area became vacant. And in 2022, City Council approved a disposition, development, and loan agreement, otherwise known as a DDLA. And in 2023, City Council approved a DDLA amendment, which changed the residential housing type from single-family detached housing to a duet housing type. And in August of 2023, an application was submitted for Harmony Village. Up on the screen is the current project status, highlighted in red. Currently, this site is um, mostly vacant with a number of dried grasslands and several trees. Located to the left is the general plan map. The property is considered general commercial, and the density requirements is 8.1 dwellings per acre. And in this case, the minimum is nine units for the site. To the right is the Vacaville zoning map. The property is zoned commercial general, otherwise known as CG. And in our land use and development code, single unit dwellings that are attached are classified as a conditional use. And standards are based on the density type, in this case, residential medium density. Summarize the project, the request is for a categorical exemption from CEQA, a conditional use permit, a minor design review, and a tentative parcel map. The site is 1.07 acres and currently consists of seven parcels. The request is for 10 attached single-family homes, otherwise known as duets, and the 10 units consist of one two-story model. The floor area is 1,554 square feet. And the floor plan consists of four bedrooms, three bathrooms, and one garage space. These units will be in income restricted to households earning no more than 80% of the area median income, or AMI. Access to the site is off of Scoggins Court and East Monte Vista Avenue, and the project includes requests for exceptions to um, the code standards. Here on the screen is the proposed tentative parcel map. Currently, there are seven parcels, and the proposed map would add three additional parcels to a total of 10. Access would be located to the east off of East Monte Vista Avenue in Scoggins Court. Here 
Here are the proposed duet elevations. The duets depict a farmhouse design and the materials consist of shutters, a mix of horizontal lap and board and batten siding and composite shingle roofing. Here are some elevations of the side and the rear. The color schemes consist of two color schemes shown above in yellow and a variation of grays and blues. The landscape provided for the plan proposes front yard landscaping, as well as a variety of accent and medium sized shade trees. As conditioned, there will be a minimum of two trees per lot. Shown on the screen are the city's parking standards for residential development. As required, this project shall have a minimum of two parking spaces. In addition, for guest parking, there shall be um, a minimum of one space per three units as per city standards, which comes to approximately 23 parking spaces that is required by the city. As proposed, the project will provide two parking spaces per primary dwelling, one located in the garage, and one in the driveway. In addition, the project proposes guest parking spaces, total of 12 on-street spaces designated. Um, as proposed, the project meets the city's standards for parking. As noted previously, the project will be income restricted. All units are restricted or will be restricted to households earning no more than 80% of the area median income for 45 years. Shown on the table below, it identifies the brackets of affordability levels. The units will be restricted to low income, very low income, and extremely low income affordability levels. As part of the project, the applicant has requested three exceptions to development standards as noted below. First, house plan mixture. The code requires three house plan models with three elevations and prohibits the same house plans from being used on adjacent lots. Staff is okay with this exception as the house plans consist of 10 dwellings. Um, in this case, um, this is a smaller amount than typical subdivisions with maybe 50 to 100 lots. Um, in addition, this project is for affordable housing and um, the visibility will not be seen as much from the public right of ways. Number two, unbroken wall planes. The Land Use and Development Code prohibits unbroken wall planes of 25 feet or more. Um, similar to the first exception, staff is okay with this um, exception request as it is for affordable housing and the unbroken wall planes are located to the rear of the elevations. And number three, um, the code requires a six foot masonry wall when a project abuts a manufactured housing park. In staff's review of the project, um, in taking a look at the adjacent land uses, such as Lee's Manufactured Housing Park. Um, the uses seem to be compatible as it is a residential um, housing type adjacent to a proposed um, residential housing type. Um, and to note, to, the applicant has indicated that implementing these standards would make the project infeasible for providing affordable housing. A few notable conditions of approval for the project stands as conditions number six for masonry walls. 
The project as conditioned will require a six foot tall masonry wall at key locations, for example, um, abutting the Jiffy Loop. Um, in reviewing the projects, the conditional use permit is required as the um, project is residential in our land use and development code, um, commercial uses and residential land uses could have some compatibility issues. Um, so in this case, um, as conditioned, the project will um, install a wall abutting the Jiffy Loop. In addition, there will be a condition to place a masonry wall abutting East Monte Vista Avenue for noise attenuation. Um, the project site is located in the Vacaville noise contour, and as conditioned, um, the project will meet the standards for noise attenuation by installing this wall. Um, another notable condition is monumentation. Condition number seven, um, the requirement for neighborhood monumentation is um, required in the conditions um, along East Monte Vista Avenue, as well as Scoggins Court. Um, and then as this project is an affordable housing project, there is a component with the DDLA. Condition number five requires that the single family units are to be sold to households earning no more than 80% of the area median income for 45 years. As provided, the applicant has accepted the conditions except for the monumentation theming requirement along Scoggins Court. As part of this project, staff has conducted a variety of public outreach. For example, a new project notice was mailed for the project as well as um, signage and postings for this hearing, such as a newspaper notice, an on-site signage, and the public hearing notice that was mailed out. No public comments were received for this project. Staff has determined that this project is exempt from environmental review under Section 15332 Infill Development Projects of the California Environmental Quality Act, otherwise known as CEQA, because the project is consistent as conditioned, is consistent with the general plan and zoning. The site is no larger than five acres and is surrounded by urban uses, and there are no unusual circumstances or significant impacts with this project. With this, staff has determined that no environmental, no additional environmental review is required. To conclude, staff supports this project as it meets the required findings as conditioned, complies with general plan and zoning designation, and the project complies with development standards as conditioned. Staff is recommending by simple motion that the Planning Commission, one, approves the categorical exemption from CEQA, and two, approve the conditional use permit, minor design review, and tentative parcel map for Harmony Village, subject to conditions of approval. This concludes my presentation. My name is Eileen. I'm here to answer any questions or comments, as well as the applicant. Thank you. Thank you, Eileen, and um, welcome. Uh, we appreciate uh, your first appearance. Um, oh, um, this is my second. Second? Of course. Of course. It's been a year. <laughs> what I meant is your first in a while. <clears throat> um, but thank you. Uh, we would like to invite the applicant up to um, make comments in a moment, but first I'm going to um, ask commissioners if they have questions um, emanating from the staff report. I do. <clears throat> Commissioner Fortney. Eileen, can you pull the map, the part, the proposed tentative parcel map back up? 
There you go. <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to discuss or ask questions in regards to condition of approval number seven before the applicant gets up here in regards to monument signs. Is there is this just standard subdivision, whether we have three lots, 10 lots or 300 lots that we're requiring monument sign or is there a specific reason? Hi, thank you, um, Commissioner Fortney. Um, so as required by the code in the section for uh, monumentation theming for residential development, um, some type of identity um, for the theming and monumentation is required for new subdivisions. So the conversation I'm gonna wanna have at some point with this commission is two monument signs for this project, 10 units being an affordable project is a cost that developers gonna have to take, which is gonna be passed on to each unit. So. I'm gonna make a rough assumption that we're at least $10,000, $20,000 for two monument signs for these 10 units, which definitely only comes back to impact the residents that are gonna be in this house, these houses. So I look at it as more of a burden than it is a benefit. And um, we can circle back when we close on, on discussion about whether we believe this item should remain or, or recommendation to have it removed. Thank you. Thanks, Commissioner Portney. I made a note of that. Um, Commissioner Wilkerson, did you? Okay. Hello? Okay. Uh, we'd like to invite Tom, the, uh, representing the applicant, uh, Mr. Filippi. If you try to keep your remarks of about five minutes, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Tom Filippi, Filippi Engineering, <clears throat> longtime resident of Vacaville and a business owner down the street. I'm representing Habitat for Humanity tonight. We're very grateful to be here. We're excited. I am personally excited about this project. I have been a huge housing advocate in this community for years and years and years, and I am truly excited that we're bringing a Habitat project to Vacaville. We have with us, uh, I won't introduce them all in the in interest of time, but we have many members of the Habitat community uh, with us here today, and uh, if I can't answer a question, they'll be happy to, to get up and, and, and uh, visit with you. We would say that we've worked very well with staff through this whole process. We've uh, come to an agreement on all the conditions of approval and a hundred and something pages of, of discussion. We're, we're down to one item that uh, we don't agree on. And uh, it's item number seven, as uh, Commissioner <coughs> Fortney mentioned. And <clears throat> I'm going to read from an email that I sent to staff earlier today. Regarding condition number seven, we will work with staff on a creative solution for one project sign. Currently, we envision a single sign on the sound wall adjacent to East Monta Vista. This is an affordable housing project, and monumentation signage is likely to be a minimum of fifteen dollars to $20,000 per sign. Uh, and installing the second sign on um, Scoggins Court, we, do, we, in our opinion, do not believe it's warranted. If monumentation on Scoggins Avenue were $15,000, which we believe is realistic, it would add $1,500 to each and every house. And we don't believe this cost is in keeping with the affordable housing project. And we would therefore respectfully request that the Planning Commission waive this second sign requirement. I, you know, I would note that I've lived here in Vacaville for 43 years. I live in a subdivision off Alamo Drive. We don't have any signage for our subdivisions, Alamo Terrace. I don't think our subdivision is benefited or hurt by whether there's a sign there or not. I live in a beautiful custom lot subdivision. I'm very proud of our subdivision, but we don't have a sign. And I don't 
in a situation like this, I don't really see the advantage to the residents to be paying $1,500 at a minimum uh, for a sign. Now, remember, we're not going to advertise uh, to the community that this is a Habitat for Humanity project. We want residents there to be a part of the community and feel just as equal as everyone else. So we're not going to be putting Habitat logos on, on the project. And we want them to all feel good about it. So we, what we envision, if you've seen the sign on Spring Lane that I designed 40 years ago, there's a beautiful little sign with uh, black tile, Spring Lane engraved, very nice, very modest sign. Something like that would be beautiful here, not cost fifteen or $20,000, um, and, uh, and make mention of what the subdivision is, Harmony Village. So we res respectfully, we've, we've appreciated working with staff through this whole process. We understand where they're coming from. It's in the code. I get it. But this is unique. This is different. And it's really needed here in our community. So I'm here to answer any questions. I've kept it under five minutes, Chairman. Any questions? Questions for the applicant? Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Felipe. We'll now um, open public comment. Uh, this is the time for the public to speak on the project, the merits. Uh, um, happy to invite our, no? I, Bob is saying no. Okay. All right. Going once, twice, okay. Close public comment and uh, we'll um, now move to commission deliberation. Um, starting with Commissioner Banta. Thank you. Thank you for the presentation and thank you for sharing more about COA7. Those are my questions as well. Um, I'm really excited about this project. I love that Habitat for Humanity is coming to Vacaville. Um, I love how you mentioned about the sign. That was going to be my question. What is the sign going to say? Does it have to, like we want the community to not know that, oh, we live in the affordable housing project, right? Like we live in a home today. And um, so that was really important to me. So I'm glad you touched on that. Um, overall, I really love this project and I'm excited to see it going. I would definitely support one sign, smaller, more cost efficient, as that's the, what the project is. So thank you. Thank you Commissioner Banta. Um, John, Mr. Wilkerson. Yes, thank you for the presentation. Thank you, applicant. I love the project. Wish we could have more of these in front of us, right? But it's a, it's a, it, we are where we are with, with this, regarding the sign, I too agree with Commissioner Fortney and Commissioner Banta. It will be passed off to the, the consumer. And the sign on Scroggins to me makes sense because the thing we think about that we all wanna make sure, like Commissioner Banta said, it's home ownership. They own the home. We don't want a stigma attached to it. You know, oh, you live there. That's how we talk about people right now. Oh, those people. I don't want them to be those people. I want them to be homeowners. And so I too would support only having one side on Scroggins. And question for staff was, you said some type of monument. What's the clarification and the flexibility do we have on that? 
Hello, thank you, um, Commissioner Wilkerson. So um, staff is willing to work with the applicant on a less costly monumentation theming. Um, in some cases, there are examples of um, lettering on masonry walls um, as an option. So um, I just do wanna clarify that um, our staff is open and will work with the applicant on a um, alternative, maybe more, more less costly than um, other monument signs we see today in subdivisions. Okay, yeah, I would definitely like to see that and push for that. Albert's gonna lose his job. <laughs> um, yeah, so it looks like, I was gonna eliminate both, but it looks like the applicant and the commission is comfortable with, with one monument sign on um, Monta Vista removing the Scoggins Court and we can leave it up to staff to meet with the applicant after with our recommendation, correct? Uh, I just wanna close with a big fan of Habitat and Andrew, your staff and everything that you're doing. It's good to see that you drug Mr. McCauley, Commissioner Kamali, com Robert back, <laughs> back back into the chamber. So it, it was good to see you guys. This project's, um, Tom only had five minutes. Andrew, I wish you would come to the mic and, and give this commission and the residents of Vacaville a little bit more history of how long this project took, if that's okay, Chair. Um, put a little bit of history back on how long this project took and, and how the application process is gonna actually go with the homeowners. Mike, thanks for the invitation. Thanks too to the commission for this opportunity to speak to you just for two minutes uh, about this project. Really got its start in 2017. Our then uh, board president spotted the site uh, as he often does, uh, looks for opportunities for us to develop. That started the process of looking at how many houses we could fit there. Of course, there was a density requirement that our architect, Nancy, who's sitting behind me, figured out a way to get those 10 units in there in a, in a really wonderful, I, I think, development. I, I wanna take this opportunity to say something about uh, how the application process goes because we exist to build affordable housing for low-income families, generally only between 50 and 80%, never more than 80% of the area median income. And uh, generally do outreach. One of the things within the DDA is we've um, giving preference to local families, those who live within Vacaville, but also perhaps as far it, within the county, no further than outside, all within Solano County. Uh, currently have a need for housing. The current living situation is somehow substandard. Second of all, they're willing to partner with us because we will require of them 500 hours of sweat equity. The families, partner families who are selected will help us build their homes. We have a project going on in Fairfield right now. It's three homes. I invite you to go and take a look because you'll see exactly what's going to happen on Scoggins is happening on Walnut Avenue in Fairfield right now. And then the third requirement is that the family is able to afford a, a mortgage. We'll finance it so that's affordable. Uh, they'll pay no more than 30% of their income for housing. Um, but We'll, we'll be looking into the credit history to make sure that the, they're a good uh, credit risk too. So in a nutshell, that's what we, we intend to do on Scoggins at Harmony Village. Uh, we are as excited, I hope, as you are to make this happen now, six years uh, since it started. And I'm available for any questions if you have any. Thank you. Excellent, thank you. And congratulations to your whole team. Thank you, Chair. Thanks, Mike. Uh, Commissioner Vargas. 
Yeah, I'd just like to add, um, you know, my mother lived um, in the Markham area, Holly Lane, Markham Avenue for 10 years. And um, specific to the signage, signage in that area is, normally means stigma, stigmatization. And um, I'm good with minimal signage. Um, I'm really happy about this project. I'm very pleased about the project because I know what it means for ownership for African-American Latino families. So I, I, kudos to you. Um, I'm really happy the fact that Habitat for Humanity has come in here and done this. So again, I'm ecstatic about that. So thank you for the presentation. Senator Vargas, Vice Chair Rudin. I just wanted to chime in and say that I was very excited to see this project on this agenda. And I'm, I'm really glad to see that Habitat Humanity is here in Vacaville. And I really hope to see more projects coming before us. Um, and I just also wanted to show my support for the minimal signage as well. Um, and thank you for this project. Thanks, Vice Chair Rudin. Yeah, I can, I, I will, I will put a motion forward for sure. Question about the exclusion of the signage fee. Is that an addition, addendum to the motion? So if, if it's something that the commission wants to do to, to waive the signage fee, then um, you, we could make that motion. That's in our um, subject matter jurisdiction. Um, you could also invite staff to work with the applicant. Um, it sounds like they might be nearing some kind of a, um, a workable solution. Fine. The current condition requires two signs, one on Monta Vista, one on Scoggins Court. So if there's a motion to be made that would revise that, it should be articulated in the motion to revise condition number seven to require only one monument sign on Monta Vista. So condition number seven would need to be altered to reflect uh, the requirement of one sign. And um, I assume that you will still work with the applicant to bring down the cost of that one sign. Um, we enthusiastically, it sounds like um, this is a just a home run for us. And we're delighted to see that, um, that there's, uh, everyone's working well together. With that, I'll entertain a motion. Okay, I will read the motion. Um, so my simple motion approve the resolution approving the categorical exemption, conditional use permit, design review, and tentative parcel map for Harmony Village project at northeast corner of East Monta Vista Avenue, Scoggins Court, subject to the conditions of approval, thus waiving the condition of signage, fees for signage. Or is it one? Well, we're... Um, we're making it so that um, the condition would only require one sign. So the condition being one sign requirement. That's faulted. Yeah. Is that good? Is there a second? Second. Seconded by Commissioner Banta. <clears throat> Will the clerk please call the roll? Commissioner Fortney? Yes. Commissioner Vargas? Yes. Commissioner Lightfoot? Yes. Commissioner Bonta? Yes. Vice Chair Rudine? Yes. Chair Klein? Yes. Excellent job. Good job. 
All right, we'll move on to the next item on our agenda, which is uh, uh, 719 Markham Avenue general plan map and zoning map amendments. Uh, I see that we have, um, oh, wonderful, payment. This is gonna be fun. Take it away. Oh. <clears throat> Take it away. While you're getting situated, I just want to make, do we have any ex parte um, contact to disclose for 719 Markham? None for me. Okay. Very good. Uh, good evening, Chair, Planning Commission. Uh, so this is the first of two items related to implementation of housing element and some of the programs that are uh, part of that housing element that was adopted um, just earlier this year. So this first one is regarding 719 Markham, and the proposal specifically is to change the general plan designation from residential high density to a public park and change the zoning from residential high density to parks and recreation. Uh, just a couple of shots. One is the aerial showing uh, where the site is in, um, on um, Markham Avenue, uh, and to the north you'll see the Rocky Hill uh, Trail. And it's surrounded by uh, some vacant sites, but also uh, multifamily residential generally in that area. And on the right, you'll see sort of the street view of the site as well, generally flat with some slopes and some, uh, some trees. So in terms of the background, the site is a city-owned uh, parcel on Markham Avenue. The applications tonight are reaffirmation of the previous environmental assessment, a general plan map amendment, and a zoning map amendment. Um, really, this comes from uh, during staff's uh, presentation of the housing element to the city council back in June. Uh, the city council directed staff to remove this site from the city's inventory of um, residential sites. Uh, they felt that um, this site was an appropriate uh, high-density site for that for that neighborhood, and they directed staff to remove it from that. And that removal requires changing the general plan designation, but also the zoning designation. So you see on the left, um, again, the, the general plan designation going from um, residential high-density to public park. And on the right, you'll see existing and proposed zoning going from residential high density to parks and recreation. So the proposed um, parks and recreation zoning is consistent with the public park general plan designation. Um, really, there aren't any plans right now for development of the site. Um, it could be a number of recreation-related re recreation um, uses there. It could be special purpose uh, facility uh, to meet the needs of a certain sector of the population, or it could be um, just sort of in its natural state uh, as well. So um, that ultimate design of the park would, would involve the Parks and Rec Commission, but at this point, it's simply changing the zoning uh, to take it off our um, residential inventory. Um, and staff's recommendation, obviously, is with, uh, consistent with what the council directed staff did, which is to change the zoning. Uh, so this request meets the required findings. Uh, it complies with general plan and zoning. Uh, use of the site as a park or open space would be beneficial to the neighborhood. Um, and it complies with staff's um, direction from the city council. So with our recommendation, it is that the planning commission recommend the city council adopt the resolution regarding the environmental uh, amending general plan uh, map by changing the general plan map land use designation for 719 Markham and also inducing an ordinance changing the zoning for that site. Um, that concludes my presentation. I'd be happy to answer any questions. Commissioners, any questions? Before we move on to, okay. Uh, we'll now open public comment. 
Seeing none, public comments closed. We'll bring it back to commission for deliberation and feedback to uh, the staff. <clears throat> um, looking around, nothing. Okay. Vice Chair Rudine. Um, I think a great presentation answered all the questions, and I think this will be a great use of the space. So I'd like to make a motion. Vice Chair Rudine. Oh, and it's a long one. I invite you to make the long motion. <laughs> Please put the slide back up for me to read. <laughs> okay, I'd like to make a motion to adopt a resolution of the City of Vacaville City Council considering the general plan final environmental impact report and the supplemental environmental impact report and the addendum to the FEIR and SEIR finding that no subsequent EIR is required pursuant to section 15162 of the California Environmental Quality Act guidelines based on the substantial evidence included in the addendum and the and amending the general plan map by changing the general plan map use designation for 719 Markham Avenue from residential high density to public park and introduce an ordinance of the city council of the city of Vacaville amending title 14 of the Vacaville municipal code by changing the zoning map for 719 Markham Avenue from residential high density to parks and recreation. Anybody else? <laughs> Is there a second? <laughs> Commissioner Wilkerson? Yeah, second. Terrific. Um, will uh, the clerk please call the roll? Commissioner Wilkerson? Yes. Commissioner Courtney? Yes. Commissioner Vargas? Yes. Commissioner Lightfoot? Yes. Commissioner Bonta? Yes. Vice Chair Rudine? Yes. Chair Klein? Yes. Motion passes. Wonderful. Our next item is 7C. Uh, this is the um, LUP11.4 and LUP-P12.3 general plan text amendments. Um, I would first like to uh, invite commissioners to disclose any ex parte contact. Okay, none to disclose from me. Um, with that, we'll, um, I'll invite Payman to continue his wonderful presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Uh, this is the second item related to uh, housing element implementation. Uh, specifically, this is related to um, landing settlement policy 11.4 and landing settlement policy 12.3, but also adding a new landing settlement policy uh, as directed um, through our um, housing element that was adopted again in June. So specifically, the proposal is to amend um, three elements. Uh, land use policy 11.4, which is to reduce the, the separation between industrial, business, and technology parks and residential from uh, 200 feet to 50 feet. Um, P12.3 to encourage missing middle housing, or really should be to encourage a variety of housing uh, that includes missing middle. And then a new policy to require the Northeast growth area specific plan to provide um, thoughtful transition uh, between residential business parks, industrial parks, and technology parks. So um, on June 27th, the council approved the, adopted the housing element. Within that housing element action, there were a number of uh, programs that were uh, adopted and a number of programs that we still need to adopt. We'll be coming back to you uh, for the next couple of years, three years probably. Um, so one of those um, items was to, again, change those those two landing settlement policies and create a new one related to 
um, into separation between industrial parks and residential, but also a variety of housing. And to sort of um, pinpoint the Northeast growth area, since that specific plan is going to be in the works to create those transitions. Uh, land use element policy P11.4 um, is the one where it requires separation to reduce from 200 feet to 50 feet. And this sort of goes back to the deliberations that we've had with our consultant and then with council regarding are there any constraints to development of residential um, products in Vacaville? And this was one of them that was looked at as a could have the optics of a constraint where we have such a large separation. And so um, the recommendation was to reduce that from 200 feet to 50 feet. And um, as you'll see on the next slide, in terms of our uh, business parks, they can be really grouped into nine separate areas. Not all those areas have residential that adjoin the business parks. So where there are um, areas that, um, for example, Maris Industrial Park off of Elmira, uh, towards the end of that um, commerce lane, there are two empty parcels that do adjoin residential. Um, so for that, if that were to develop with this, with this policy in place, um, there would need to be a 50-foot separation. Now, that would increase the setback on, on the industrial side, which would still provide that 50-foot separation, but it is really, in essence, reducing that from 200 feet to 50 feet to encourage um, sites that back up to industrial technology parks to be available for residential development. In terms of the new land use policy, which is, uh, would be 19.7, this is again mentioning um, the Northeast growth area as that, <clears throat> as that project sort of takes off and, and the scope of it is, uh, is prepared. We wanna make sure that there are policies in place to encourage the, North, the specific plan um, since it does involve a number of different land uses to be thoughtful about how those land uses relate to each other and any sort of transition that needs to occur between residential and non-residential uh, business parks. So this new policy would again require the specific plan to, uh, as is mentioned here, a thoughtful transition between residential areas and those business industrial parks. Um, land use element uh, policy 12.3 is intended to um, encourage a um, variety of housing uh, for different segments of the population. Uh, so um, the, the proposed amendment would be to encourage missing middle housing. Um, and again, related to uh, 19.7, to require new specific plans to provide a variety of housing Types including small lot, single family, detached and attached, single family attached, and just a number of varieties. So making that very specific land use policy that's not in place right now. The, the section that's crossed off <clears throat> really relates to um, a mix of housing types, but it doesn't really get specific about the types of housing that the council wants to see through the housing element and through the housing strategy document that uh, they approved and reviewed as um, well. So this would be the change to this, this particular land use policy. So, so these um, recommendations, um, and again, implementation of the housing, although they do comply with the required findings, as we identified in the staff report, does comply with the general plan, uh, with the housing element, um, with the implementation efforts that uh, have begun and sort of are ongoing for a number of years. Um, and really, again, the perception of constraints related to housing development is something that, um, that we're trying to address by reducing that buffer and um, also support housing, the housing element and housing strategy in terms of the goals that they set with a variety of housing types that the city wants to see rather than the typical um, single family detached that we see on sort of larger subdivisions of Vacaville. Uh, so with that, our recommendations that the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the Planning Commission recommend the City Council adopt a resolution regarding the environmental review and <clears throat> amending the general plan, land use policies 11.4, 12.3, 
and 19.7, which is the new housing variety um, policy. Um, that concludes my presentation. I'm happy to answer any questions. Old bench today. No questions. Making it easy. Um, all right. Do I have, well, <clears throat> why don't I go ahead and um, open public comment? Seeing none, we'll close public comment and bring it back to the commission for deliberation. Commissioner Lightfoot. Uh, so in dealing with the changes in the housing part of this element, and we're talking globally about the, um, the Northeast growth area, is there a way we can incorporate at least a specific requirement of commercial in that mix? Now, because we, ha we have an opportunity to make a, especially with higher densities, a walkable type um, atmosphere that encourages less use of vehicles in the area and with higher density might make a better mix of what we're going after there. If there's a requirement for commercial if when a proximity or number of units or something in the similar. Uh, in terms of um, requiring specific plans to have separate particular separations from commercial and residential or, or adding residential as an element. Like mixed use. Yeah. Or a, a commercial within commercial zones within that new swath of land that um, is in close proximity to the new residential units. Because I feel, here's my perspective, We're, we've been building a lot in Le Leisure Town area. And it seems like there's now beginning to be a um, less commercial type businesses um, that are within that region and making driving further to them. And they're not, you know, not a walkable type of sure. situation where now we're gonna be increasing the density, but we're not, I wanna make sure that we're considering that we're providing commercial use to the residents. So this particular policy is not um, intended to sort of outline the scope of what the specific plan's gonna look like. It's intended to make sure in relation to changing the policies with separation between industrial parks and residential, that the specific plans have that point um, in them specifically. Uh, when it comes to laying out really the, the details of the specific plan, that's, um, a, it's not related to this particular policy, but um, perhaps Director Morris can speak to the specific plan. I would just add this item is before the commission because it's one of our housing requirements to vanquish this really large separation requirement between industrial and residential. Um, but we will be at some point bringing to commission consideration of specific plans for the East of Leisure Town area. And that will be a time to really get into what should those plans consist of and what mix of uses is appropriate. And I'm, I'm correct, this is really <clears throat> mixed use that we're talking about, right? So oh, I'm sorry, I, I cut. Yeah. Well, or mixed use, as I understand it, is, you know, the typical situation where you have commercial, um, ground floor commercial housing above. Um, and so the goal is to have active transportation um, be, you know, the, the, the default mode as, but, you know, you don't need to get in your car and drive uh, long distances or short distances, whatever, you, you know, you don't need to get in your car because it's, it's mixed on within proximity. Oh, sorry. 
and so my and my my comment is it mixed use is one of the um ways you can get more commercial in and make it walkable but i'm i was speaking more commercial in general about how we can make sure that we have a certain allocation or proximity and this does technically help that by reducing the setbacks um but i think director morse answered my question that would this how hopefully i will say to the the commission that when we go to reviewing the future residential in the east area that we're expanding in that we I believe that we're starting to get out of balance in the commercial that is available in that air, in that zone in that area of Leisure Town Road spe specifically. So hopefully that we as a commission can come together and make sure that we make commercial areas that are walkable to the future residents in that area as a consideration when we're looking at it. Director Morris, and then Vice Chair Dean. Nothing. A uh, duet of uh, Vice Um So, as far as my understanding for this is that for future development, and this seems to like it'll really impact the Northeast growth area the most. Where we have industrial, we'll no longer have these large green spaces between industrial <coughs> and, and residential. Correct. Well, it's it's both. It's specific. So the new policy nineteen point seven is directed at those new specific plans, but it also applies to existing Current ones we lands. have. Yeah, but it's it's but it's more having to do with that distance between industrial right. and residential. Okay. Um, I don't really have much in the way of questions. I just wanted to, my comments were more so. I've had to spend a, lot, spend a lot of time recently down in San Jose, and I've seen how they've kind of done this successfully and how with some new development for residential that have been put next to industrial, they actually kind of tie it in, and it looks kind of cool. Um, so I don't have any questions, but it's more so I, I just have this nagging feeling that in about 10 years this might come around and, and uh, a future council might have to f reap the... Uh, complaints of why are they doing this? But I understand why. And it's, you know, we need to start squeezing housing in. So not squeezing housing, I know we're that right, but it's, this is the direction the state's going and we need to stay on track with the direction the state's going. Um, the other thing, my other comment is on the changing, uh, amending of the second part where we've traditionally done 75% single family, 25% multifamily. Um, I really, really, really hope that the council can get creative with filling in this missing middle and, and getting beyond just having single family, getting creative with different housing types. Those are my comments. Do <clears throat> you wanna make a motion? Okay, and with that, I'll make a motion. Uh, recommend that the, I'd like to make a motion, recommend that City Council adopt a resolution of the City of Vacaville City Council considering the general plan final environmental impact report and the supplemental impact environmental impact report and the addendum to the FEIR and SEIR, finding that no subsequent EIR is required pursuant to sections section 15162 of the California Environmental Quality Act guidelines based on the substantial evidence included in the addendum amending general plan land use element policies LU-P11.4 industrial slash residential buffer and LUP12.3 housing mix and adding a new land use element policy LU-P12.4 
19.7. Thank you, Vice Sheridan. Excellent. Is there a second? Second. Seconded by uh, Commissioner Fortney. Uh, Nancy, will you please call the roll. Commissioner Wilkerson. Commissioner <clears throat> Fortney. Commissioner Vargas. Yes. Commissioner Lightfoot. Yes. Commissioner Bontip. Yes. Vice Chair Rudine. Yes. Chair Klein. Yes. Justice. Thank you. And thank you, Payman. We've now reached uh, item number eight. Uh, this is business, the Universal Design Study Session. Um, we will, so we'll first hear a presentation by staff followed by commissioner questions and then we'll open it up for public comment. Director Morris, would you like to introduce this item? Thank you very much, Chair Klein. Um, I just wanted to introduce this item by saying that this is the first of several presentations from one of our college interns. Uh, the commission may not be aware um, that the city of Vacaville has a robust college intern program and we pay college students to work here in various departments to provide, um, really do all kinds of things. Um, sometimes it's collating things and stuffing envelopes, uh, but the current crew of interns is stellar and so each of them will be coming before this commission to present some work they've done on behalf of the planning division. So our first presenter is Angelina Clara. She is a Vacaville native um, and um, really is doing an excellent job in all things planning and building. And with that, um, she is going to present universal design. Awesome. Welcome to the commission. Hi, thank you. Um, good evening, chair, vice chair and members of the planning commission. Um, I will be presenting study session on universal design. So staff is requesting that the commission receives a presentation on amending the city's development review process to implement universal design principles, publish information on the city's website, and consider amendments to the Vacaville Municipal Code requiring the implementation of universal design options with all new home construction. Some background information. In 2002, the California legislature passed Assembly Bill uh, 2787, which required the Department of Housing and Community Development to develop guidelines and at least one universal design model ordinance that could be used by cities for implementing universal design with new construction and home modifications. In 2003, the Assembly Bill 1400 was passed, which required HCD to develop guidelines and a new universal design option checklist. In 2005, the first checklist was created, and in 2007, it was modified to be more user-friendly for consumers and builders. In June of 2023, the City Council recognized and adopted Housing Element Program HE2B, which requires the City to encourage all new units to be universally designed for both occupants and visitors, or can be easily adapted for accessibility modifications. <clears throat> There are seven key principles um, that describe universal design. The first is being equitable use, so it can be used by a variety of abilities. The second is personalization or flexibility of use, which accommodates for a wide range of individual preferences. The third is simple and intuitive, so any user can easily understand how to operate and use the design. Fourth is awareness, meaning the design communicates um, necessary information to the user, regardless of their surroundings or the user's sensory abilities. The fifth is wellness or tolerance for error, 
uh, which protects the user from any possible danger. The sixth is comfort, which minimizes the amount of physical effort needed to use. And the final principle is sufficient size and space, meaning the design accommodates different postures and mobility, as well as providing enough space to use assistive devices or personal assistance. So why is universal design important? <clears throat> In Vacaville, um, the Vacaville's housing element requires the city to meet the needs for seniors and persons with disabilities and requires the city to encourage all new units to be universally designed so they are accessible for both occupants and visitors and or be easily adapted to include accessibility modifications. In addition to the program, um, in addition, the program requires the city to provide information on universal and adaptable designs on its website and at the building division counter by autumn of 2023 and continually updating as new information is available. Okay, so why is universal design important? So in Vacaville, residents with disabilities have been correlated with lower income households, um, more diverse demographic, uh, demographics, and areas with fewer resources. Um, the current statistics on Vacaville's uh, population show that 24.6% of households are senior headed, uh, eight, or 11.8% of population have disabilities, and 30% of households are overpaying for rent. This indicates that there is an overall shortage of rental housing for special needs groups and therefore the city must meet the needs of seniors and persons with disabilities. So staff conducted research by reaching out to other jurisdictions such as the city of Dublin and the city of Berkeley, as well as looking at other resources, including the housing and Com uh, community development department and advocacy groups such as the universal design project. Um, through our research, it became evident that the implementation of universal design increases home value, supports independent living, and accommodates multi-generational households. However, some challenges were also brought to our attention, such as difficulty with the timing for improvements, um, issues with the checklist format, and a lack of community and staff awareness on universal design. As previously stated, the program requires the city to encourage all new units to be universally designed so they are accessible for both occupants and visitors and or be easily adaptable to accessibility modifications. Based on our findings, staff organized recommendations and guidance for homeowners, tenants, and home builders. These recommendations have been separated into categories, with the first being large modifications uh, for home builders during the initial design phase for new residential units. Um, modification features such as installing light switches, outlets, and thermostats between 15 inches to 18 inches above the floor, installing residential elevators or lifts in two-story homes, or ensuring bathrooms have a five-foot diameter turning radius. Um, these could be incorporated. Um, the second category is small modifications for residents and homeowners. Uh, minor improvements including at least one stepless entry on an accessible path to travel, installing handrails in hallways, or lowering people viewers at front doors could be offered to meet the inclusive standards. In addition to interior uh, renovations, homeowners and tenants can do exterior improvements to landscaping and hardscapes to remove tripping hazards and debris that obstruct accessible travel, um, such as checking for loose or cracking bricks, tiles, or concrete on walkways, overgrown landscaping that encroaches into walkways, and ensuring new concrete includes textured rough surfaces that provide traction during weather events. Um, furthermore, 
Homeowners can consider installing technological equipment such as smart lock systems, security cameras, medical alert systems, or fire alarms to help create a safer environment. In addition, they could reach out to other resources such as the AARP Home Fit Guide offered by the American Association for Retired People um, that provides a more in-depth option for those looking to transform their, transform their home into being more inclusive. In addition to these recommendations, the city has uh, the city is also publishing information um, informational resources such as a web page and a brochure, as well as updating the developmental uh, review process to include applications and a submittal checklist with universal design. And these exhibits are also included in the staff report. Um, some future. Uh, some future ordinances the city could consider would be the California Department of Housing and Community Development's Universal Design Model Ordinance and their new home Universal Design Checklist. However, if those options are not what the city seeks, then they could consider other or create a new ordinance option that requires universal design options for new model home buyers and requires new homes and a new apartments to implement a universal design checklist. In conclusion, Vacaville's housing element requires the city to encourage all new units to be universally designed. To fulfill this requirement, staff has created a website, a brochure, and a developmental review process to satisfy the city's housing element program. <coughs> that concludes my, pro uh, my presentation, and if the commission has any questions, I'd be happy, more than happy to answer. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, terrific job. Um, Commissioner Wilkerson. Great presentation. Thank you so much. <laughs> Um, this actually hits close to my heart. Um, I have an uncle um, who's been in a wheelchair for most of his life. And so watching the struggle he's gone through in terms of housing really hits home. And so seeing that we're adopting these universal designs to help people with disabilities really, really speaks to me because I watched what he went through in the early 80s and 90s and so on and how hard it was to find something that, that we take for granted that is so simple that it becomes a burden and a struggle for others. And so I also like it that it's for a new homes because in my day job, um, we had a simple request for a new home builder. And it was one of these types of small, small additions and they wouldn't do it. But I knew there was state law behind it and I knew that it should be done. And it was a simple ask. And the, the developer chose not to do it and that's fine, we moved, they moved on. But knowing that this now is in place, it's really gonna help a lot of families who are looking at new home builds to open up their mind of what they can have and not just say, you're only gonna have this. You're only allowed this. They're gonna have every opportunity that everyone else has, just like we talked about with Harmony House and the stigmatisms, there's also stigmatisms with this. And so I'm really happy to see the city of Vacaville embrace this. Thank you so much for your presentation. Other questions for Ms. Clara? Okay, uh, we'll now receive public comment. Seeing none, close public comment and bring it back to the commission for deliberation and pr to provide some direction to uh, our wonderful staff. Um, well, obviously, there, you know, you guys did a great job. There's no direction to provide. Um, very thoroughly researched. I'm glad that you reached out to other cities. I'm um, interested to um, see the website. I think 
these are tools that need to be um, absolutely publicized. I didn't see anything about a social media plan, but I'm assuming that that would go part and parcel. Um, and I don't know, I guess what I didn't get from this is what, for the development community, how this would be, um, I know, folded into the design review process, but um, obviously that's the, you know, consistent with what John just said, the development community really is um, gonna do the brunt of, of the heavy lifting here. So I guess the feedback would be, from me, would be, um, you know, social media um, as part of the website. And um, it would be nice to, to know, like, what, what are the results? So um, a lot of times we, we put these things out, but we don't really know what the results are. And I'm sure that we'll get an update as what my hope is to, to, to know that this is somehow reaching the right audience and that we're able to measure um, our effectiveness with um, this new initiative. <laughs> and I, That's what we're looking for. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, okay. I know we also do outreach to local trade communities, but and, and we've done some in the past, but I would love to see this as well as an informative thing for uh, the local realtor groups and other entities who understand the process, because if they're not informed, sometimes it, it, it may not be followed through or whatnot. So I just want to make sure the outreach, like Chair Klein is saying, we also reach out to other groups to let them know what is out there. So they're informed when they're out taking their buyer around or um, that process. So thank you. And you know, actually, since you mentioned it, it would be nice to know, like, where are the communities that are doing it well? Um, because if, if we know, you gave some excellent examples about what homeowners and, and others can do to make things more accessible. Um, but just I, I, what stands out to me about this is um, for existing um, homes that there is a role for, for homeowners to also um, do something about this. I mean, it's a horrible thing that 30% of our um, residents are, are overpaying on their rent. And um, I, I don't know if we can do anything about that with this, but we have to bring that number down. And um, I don't know to the extent you were able to determine that figure, but I guess that's, you know, results if we're able to see that, that because of what we're doing, we're able to bring down that, you know, really high um, amount of uh, people who are overpaying for their rent. I mean, that's, um, we, we should actively be working to, to bring that number down to zero. Okay, um, seeing no other commissioner comments, we'll move on to the um, next item, item B. And this is uh, uh, the Planning Commission meeting calendar. Thank you, Chair Klein and members of the commission. It's time to talk about next year's uh, calendar for planning commission meetings. Uh, that's been presented in your packet. You'll notice that it's pretty much the same regular Tuesday, except for when we get to the end of 24, we'll be planning on meeting earlier in the month of November and December to avoid holiday conflicts. So um, we are looking for you to adopt this calendar if you are so moved to do that. And that would wrap up this item. Thank you, Director Morris. Uh, any commissioner questions? Okay, we'll now open public comment. Seeing none, we'll close public comment.
and bring it back to the commission for deliberation. Do I have a motion? Moved uh, by Commissioner Wilkerson, is there a second? Seconded by Vice Chair Rudine. Um, the clerk, please call the roll. Commissioner Wilkerson? Yes. Commissioner Courtney? Yes. Commissioner Vargas? Yes. Commissioner Lightfoot? Yes. Commissioner Bonta? Yes. Vice Chair Rudine? Yes. Chair Klein? Yes. Thank you. We will now receive our director's report. Director Morris, please proceed. Thank you, Chair Klein. So we have a lot of updates since the last uh, planning commission meeting. Uh, first of all, I want to make sure you all know that in um, September, uh, the council proclaimed that October was National Planning Month. We celebrated that as a staff. Um, and then on October 10th, the council did a lot of things, um, particularly three of two of them really will impact um, the planning division's work program in the next year or so. Uh, but first, they did approve the village's abandoned development agreement amendment, and they approved, right, they denied the appeal of the Montessa House plan. So that project will would move forward as approved by the planning commission. They also authorized staff to issue RFPs for an inclusionary housing study. Uh, we're working on that RFP now, and we're gonna get it out before the end of this year to get someone on board to help us with studying the feasibility. And then they also uh, authorized us to issue an RFP for the Allison Priority Development Area Specific Plan. Uh, this is a planning effort that for which we've received $1.2 million from the state of California. And the goal is to really look at how to take an area that is pretty built out, but to really make it a better place for the people that live and work there with a lot of focus on Peabody Road and Elmira. Those two roads need some help. So anyway, that's an exciting planning project that will launch um, in the new year. And then October 24th, um, the council approved the Weber Road Construction Yard Development Agreement um, as recommended by the commission. And then the council held a study session and directed staff to move forward with general plan initiation requests to plan the urban reserve. That was a big night. And a miss on the part of the council. Those are my council updates. Next slide. So we're still looking at the new year and it's not that it's looking fuzzy, it's just that we're looking at what can we bring to this commission in the, in the near term. So you could expect um, sooner than later actually to see the Millennium Center General Plan Amendment and rezoning that was initiated by the council. And then as um, planning manager Bivond alluded to, um, we have a lot of housing element implementation items. So those are things that you'll start to see on commission agendas probably starting off in January. Um, Now we have the building division monthly report and I will be presenting this. Um, if you have questions, we can always go back. I'm gonna go kind of quick. So um, building permit activity has been steady but is slightly down from last month as far as our overall building permits issued. Um, no new multifamily permits, a few single family house permits. On the positive side, our revenue is up by about half a million dollars. So um, we've had some high value permits um, over the last month. Let's go to the next slide. Um, this shows um, a monthly comparison between October of, let's see, actually, oh, this compares this month. So we actually uh, issued 40 more permits overall, um, and then revenue was down by about 36,000. Actually, that's pretty much steady. Inspections have been slightly down. We had a humongous peak this summer with 1,500 inspections in a single month. Um, so they're down a little bit, but still our inspection activity remains incredibly steady. I, I think the next 
slide really touches on that. Okay, so here are our, here's our permit activities showing you from January of this year through the end of the year. And I guess what I'd point out is building permit activity is still really steady. It was in the 300s at the beginning of the year, it kind of swelled to the 400s in the middle, and now we're still hanging in there at just slightly over 307 for the last month. Uh, let's go to the next slide. Um, these are inspections. There's that 1,500 inspection spike that I mentioned in August of 23. It was quite a month. It was very busy out there. Um, but honestly, we always do at least, I mean, really about 1,000 inspections a month, and we're, we're pretty much there. And then this is the slide that shows solar permits in relation to building permits. And as predicted, um, they're trending pretty similarly. Our solar permit activity, that was definitely down um, since the changes to state law. And then let's go to uh, our planning manager for the current planning monthly report. Thank you. Okay. Uh, so for district one, we've had, um, so what I'd identify here are new applications and what we've been approved. So for district one, uh, Eubanks Court general plan, general plan amendment initiation, that was an application that we received. And uh, what was approved was an expansion for the Father's House campus. Uh, for District 2, uh, new applications for uh, Scott's Residence preliminary review, uh, a GPA initiation for the um, southeast corner of Fry Road and Leisuretown Road, and also GPA initiation for Roberts Ranch uh, for parcel map initiation, uh, GPA initiation. Uh, what was approved was Elmira Road Monopine Wireless Tower, uh, some house plans, and a patio cover. Uh, for District 3, um, uh, ha Happy Home Montessori and Philly Cheesesteak uh, Food Truck Temporary Use Permit. Those sound as exciting as I thought. Um, and no, no approved projects in District 3. Uh, District 4, uh, no new applications and none approved. Uh, in District 5, uh, we had a new application for Lower Lincoln Valley Neighborhood K, which is um, the first neighborhood that's being prepped for, uh, for home, uh, home builders. Uh, what was approved uh, was uh, Montessa House Plans for uh, from Ascenda Capital that the director mentioned, but also um, parallel house plans from Discovery Builders for the same, uh, uh, same subdivision in case the Ascenda Capital project didn't go through. Uh, in District 6, uh, Potter's Place North Preliminary Review and uh, was a new application approved, uh, Village of Vanna Meadows Unit B, which was a Bright Sky subdivision, and Village of Vanna Meadows DA amendment that the director mentioned. Uh, some, some of these are repeats for advanced planning. Um, we are going to continue to come to you with housing um, element implementation programs. Um, inclusionary housing, as the director mentioned, on October 10th, the council authorized staff to proceed. Uh, same thing with the Urban Reserve and the Allison uh, PDA that, um, that's already been mentioned. Uh, thank you. Great. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Wilkerson. I just have a question. Do we have an update on... Um... <coughs> North Village AP2, where we're at with the timeline of what's going on with that? I can address that. We're um, still waiting um, resolution of private conflicts between uh, the two parties. Um, and once we have a clear indication as to who is in control of the site, we'll be able to proceed with um, that application. It's a court thing. It was within like a I don't know, 45 or 60 day time period. So we're in the middle of it right now. And we're kind of on standby waiting for that outcome. 
I had a couple announcements I wanted to make. Um, one of them is that with the downtown specific plan implementation and in particular with mostly with my building staff working with people who want to intensify the use of some of our downtown buildings, it's really come to my department's attention that we have quite a few unreinforced masonry buildings in downtown Vacaville. And it makes it very hard to bring in the kind of uses we want as a city because it's expensive to do seismic retrofits. And it's the kind of thing that people don't anticipate. So. I'm working with my building official on a code amendment that would ultimately adopt a code that still achieves the same level of seismic stability when someone does the retrofit, but rather than treat the old building like it's being built brand new from the ground up, it actually allows some flexibilities recognizing the complexities with historic buildings. So this is something that we're doing property owner outreach. We have a property owner meeting on Monday. We'll be doing some broader downtown outreach, but I'm trying to make this sort of a Christmas special. It's, it's slated to go to council in December so it can go into effect um, in the new year because uh, we have quite a few projects downtown that will benefit from it. And then the last announcement I had tonight is that we are actively recruiting some vacant positions right now. Um, we're trying to hire our plan check engineer for the building division, which will bring our plan review in-house, saving time and money for our customers. Um, I'm working on hiring my assistant director. Uh, we're refilling our permit technician position in the building division. Uh, I have college interns actually helping sit in that chair and keep things moving right now, and it's been fabulous. Um, and then we also have, have launched and are currently recruiting for a senior planner to um, take on our long-range planning team. So Paymon and Albert and others and I are keeping a lot of different things going, but thankfully our planning team and our building team um, are doing good teamwork. So that's all I had tonight on announcements. Thank you, Director Morris. Um, with that, we will move to item 10, Commissioner Comments. This is portion of the agenda to inform each other of uh, potential areas of interest and um, interagency meetings and the like. Uh, Commissioner Wilkerson. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, just two quick items. One, congratulations to all the local teams that played uh, football in the playoffs, and I believe Vanden and uh, Vacaville High School will be continuing to play this Friday or Thursday, depending on the holiday. So congratulations to them. And on October 28th, I attended the special uh, board meeting for the Vacaville United School District. And the items were on there were facilities and the LCAP. And the, the frustrating part for me is Time and time again, people come down here and say, we don't plan for schools, we don't talk about schools, and we direct them where to go to have those conversations. And people say they wanna have those conversations. But when the conversation and the opportune time was there, three people from the public showed up. Ex-Council Member Sullivan, Parks uh, Chair Vasquez, and myself. That was it. So at times it's hard to hear everyone say, hey, we don't think about schools, you're not planning for a new school, we need a new school. And then when the time is to voice your opinion to the school board, very little people show. And so it's just heavily weighing on me to say, how do we increase that better? What's, what's the, where's the opportunity to have that conversation? Because clearly people want to come here and have it, but they don't seem to want to take it to the school board. So, I mean, in other municipalities, they will have the school district and the cities come together for a joint meeting every year. And it's something I think Backville should consider because Time and time again, these questions keep coming up. And time and time again, it doesn't seem like we have an answer. And we've been hearing about a new school. Hopefully there'll be one proposed here soon, um, a new high school. And so that's, that's just all I have. Thank you, Commissioner Wilkerson. <clears throat> Mike? Nada. Director Morris, staff, Angelina, great job today. 
definitely have a future in this, Angelina. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, before we adjourn this meeting, I want to take a moment to acknowledge the loss that one of our members, uh, Commissioner, um, Commissioner Rudin, is uh, currently experiencing. Um, Amanda really recently lost her father, and we want to extend our heartfelt condolences and support during this difficult time. Um, losing a loved one is uh, never something anyone looks forward to. Um, she suffered a profound loss. Um, so it's important for us to come together as a commission to offer our support and sympathy to Amanda. Um, our thoughts and prayers are with her and the entire Rudine family as they navigate this period of grief and mourning. Um, so in, in honor of Amanda's father, um, Adi Atchison, um, let us take a moment of silence to remember and pay our respects. Thank you all for your understanding and compassion. Let's adjourn this meeting, keeping Amanda and her family in our thoughts and prayers as they go through this difficult period. Uh, thank you, we're adjourned. Exactly.